that, guys. Amen. Mm. I don't know. I don't want us to take for granted how blessed we are to have the band on this stage that loves the Lord and loves to make sure God's people meet Him. And so we are blessed. And it is it is good to be a part of this family for a lot of different reasons, but that is surely a good one. So this year, we have been going through the entire Bible. And now that we're in mid-December, it doesn't seem like it's uh, that long of a journey. But that's only if you're looking through the windshield. If you look through the rearview mirror, it may seem like it has taken four stinking ever. So, let me ask you, has anybody hung with me the whole year? Anybody hanging in there? Yes, yes, there are a few. I will say that you are getting really close to the point where... um. If you never started, you might want to just try to do it next year. <laughs> I'm not telling you not to read the Word, but I just want to congratulate those who, who hung in there because I know it is a long road, and there's dry parts sometimes, but I think some of those dry parts, when I feel like it's dry, it's usually me that's dry. <clears throat> and so, we're about to the end. But I want us, before we, before we believe that we just read this to get a gold star, I want us to get why we do this. In, in Exodus, which was in January's reading, Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Remember the, the manna, remember the quail, that God was giving them what they needed. They would walk outside and there on the ground was a bread-ish material. And they would collect it, there would be enough for the day, and he told them, no need to pick up tomorrow's bread. Trust me, it'll be there. Verse 4 of Exodus 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. The reason why he he did that was one, he was he was giving them sustenance. He was feeding them, but he wanted to know, will you trust me? Will you trust me? There's that that desire, strong desire to want to pick up tomorrow's bread so I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to trust about tomorrow. I don't have to have faith in tomorrow's bread if I pick it up today. 
But God said, no, pick up today's bread today, pick up tomorrow's bread tomorrow, and let me see if you will listen. And then, if we go forward to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and not by bread alone, this is the point of today, this is the word, why do we have the word? Not just so we can read it and get a gold star at the end of the year. But it's important that we know why we're reading this word. And so, Deuteronomy chapter 8 starts like this. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. Be humbled. I mean, He humbled. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is a big deal. He's teaching them to be sustained by His Word. And so, as I read these things, what does what weighs on your mind in relationship to how you are in the word do we read it do we read it to finish it do we read it to to live on it so then we get to Matthew chapter 1 i mean Matthew chapter 4 sorry Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, one of the understatements of the Bible, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you think after 40 days of fasting, Jesus may have been a little hungry, right? I have this this hierarchy of desires for different foods in my life. And if, I mean, to be honest, way up there, Alaska king crab or scallops, maybe, or Krispy Kreme glazed donuts, those, those are up there, right? Those are one, two, and three. If I were going to be um, killed and given my choice of what to eat, I'm going to get diabetes and high blood pressure and cholesterol off of those three things and see Jesus ready to go, right? That's what I'm doing. But down the list, I have this thing of 
things that I will eat. You know, on Facebook, they have these, these things all the time. How many of these things will you eat or will you not eat? And I'm just waiting. I have two friends. One is Bob Martinez and the other is Fred who will eat anything, anything. If you go on that list and, and there's 45 things on that list and you see people that, man, you won't eat 20 of those things and my friend Bob and my friend Fred, we'll eat them all. We'll eat them all. If they're on my plate, I'm going to eat them, right? I am not that dude. I am not that guy. If I go to your house and you serve food, that's where the dividing line is for me because the pressure's on and I'm shy and I don't want to offend. And so what are those things that I will eat and what are those things that I will not eat? That's where the line is for me. I, if I go into your house and you serve potted meat, I'm going to eat potted meat. I'm going to eat Vienna sausages. Even though as an adult, I learned what's in those things. And um, But if I go into your house, I'm going to eat them. And I'm going to smile. I ate those things growing up, and they were delicious. But they're nasty because of what's in them, right? But I'm going to eat them. But if I go to your house, and you're serving blood sausage, mm-mm. There's the dividing line, right? And so how I judge things is how long it will take me to be hungry before I eat them. Boiled squash is three days. Three days. I know likey boiled squash. It doesn't matter if you put garlic and cheese. And if you boil squash, it is dead and condemned to Gehenna, right? It is done. It is gone. And boiled squash, I will try at your house to eat boiled squash, but I weigh because it, it's, it's going to see us again. It's not good. Boiled squash, no bueno. And so I can eat boiled leaves, but you boil squash, oh man, y'all, it takes all the holiness out of it. It's bad, right? But then, but blood sausage, that is way down. That is just one step before just going and biting the cow or the pig. Just right on the hoof. Just go bite it. Just go eat all you want and go on. And so I have this, this deal in my mind, three days. Three days. If I hunger for three days, I think I will like boiled squash. I think... I will eat boiled leaves, like, you know, collards and turnips and all of those things that you boil and eat. Three days, not 40. 40 days, I think I would be gnawing on blood sausage. Yeah. Y'all know what that is? Okay. All right. But Jesus, he's hungry, the Word is the point for him. Man does not live on bread alone, but I want us to focus our time on what it means living on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is, that is the statement that should order our families and change our lives. And, and I guess as we go through this, think in the back of your mind, living on every word that comes from the mouth of God is important, 
What do I need to do in my life, in the back of my head, to the bottom of my feet, to make that happen? If I am not even reading every word that comes from the mouth of God, then what does that say about me living on every word that comes from the mouth of God? And so let's dig in here. And so take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and following. And you, if you have been in church very long, hopefully... These are very familiar words for you. This is <clears throat> this is the word. Why are we people of the book? Why do we think that the Bible is important? If you would, with your Bibles open, would you stand with me as we read this short passage together? Second Timothy chapter three, verse fourteen through seventeen. But as for you. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. God, as we dig into Your Word, thank You for it. We could not dig into something if You had not given it to us. Lord, thank You that You gave us this Word for our sake, because You already know it. Lord, help us to to see this Word is so important that we can't stop digging in. And then, Lord, as we get to see what Your Holy Spirit does, applying this Word to our lives and to Your church, that it will excite us because we are bringing You great glory. We thank You for this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Very simple. <clears throat> Very simple and straightforward text. And I want it to be clear as we finish off this year, as we've gone through this whole year, this was not just a really good history lesson. This was not just so you could read things that you had never read before, or just so we could say, we've done it. We've actually read the text. You know, I was in a a psychology class my freshman freshman year of college and the the professor he was not a believer and he was slamming conservatives and he was talking about people argue this you know church people argue what the bible says about this and about this and so he did a poll of the audience how many of you are would consider yourselves christians raise their hand and Rooms, hands all over the room go up. And he says, hold your hand up. But keep your hand up only if you have read the Bible from start to finish every word. And it was embarrassing, the hands that went down. And so this guy is not a believer at all. And he says, so what you're telling me is you're basing your life, your existence, 
both past and future on something that you've never even read. Put your hands down. So what are the claims that we make as believers? What are the claims that we make as a church that we haven't even read? And so let us be readers of the Word. Let us be doers of the Word. And so some truths that we need to get from this. First, God's Word is supreme among us. God's Word is supreme among us. And, and I want to go beyond us saying that. Because we're a church, because we're a Baptist church, this is who we are, this is what we do. But is this what we live? God's Word is supreme among us. His Word calls the shots in our homes and in the church. In our homes is where it's more difficult. Because it's also in our homes where the bills come due. It's in our homes that behavioral issues with children come up. And it's in our homes where the plumbing leaks and the dog dust stuff that we got to tend to. And, and all of these things. But God's Word is still supreme. And so... I want to put it into a context that we can we can hold on to. Parents, you know, we've all been children or are children. I want you to think about it this way. That you could feed your children physically for 20 years. And you would be considered a good parent. But you can feed your, your kid physically for 20 years if they live in your home that long. And they can go still go to hell. This is how important the Word of God is. And so parents, don't starve your children spiritually either. If somebody starved their child, oh, how unthinkable would that be? We could not imagine. We could not even, we couldn't imagine them doing it. But also, we couldn't fathom anybody else knowing it and permitting it. You get what I'm saying? We would not dare want to do the same with God's Word in our homes or in the church, you know, I mean, you ask these questions, are your kids better at sports than they are at the Word? You know, can they swing a bat better than they can wield the, the Word of God? Keep these things in our minds when we believe that God's Word is supreme among us, both in our homes and in the church. But then... God's Word is sanctifying to us. And sanctifying means to make us holy. To make us holy. And so, 
God's Word is sanctifying in us. And, and so under that, what that means is that God's Word saves us. And be careful with this, <clears throat> and I want to explain this. It is the, the cross, it's the gospel, it is the blood of Christ that saves us and not my onion skin pages of a book. But I want to make the point that it is the gospel that we have recorded on these pages. God's Word saves us. So this is important stuff. It makes you holy. God saves us by faith in Jesus, but we learn this through the Word. So His Word saves us. God's Word educates us. God's Word educates us. And have you ever found that you know that there is this, this part of life that you know nothing about and your mind just suddenly gets awakened to it? And I'm not even talking about math. <clears throat> but I grew up, my dad was drafted into the army a long, 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 long time ago. And he was he served his two years and he was out. And the only reason I knew my dad was in the army was because he still had all of the clothes. And apparently those things are like the shoes of the Israelites in the wilderness. They never wear out. He had a um a coat, top to floor length coat. And I uh, I think he still has it. And my dad's eighty four. Last forever, right? But that's all I knew about the army. That's it. That's all I knew about the military. It. And so then I moved to Portsmouth, Virginia, where I didn't know where that was either. And so when I got to Portsmouth, Virginia, all of a sudden I'm within this body of believers that a large portion of them are military. And if our society was not military, it was support for the military, shipyard or whatever. If every evidence of the shipyard or of the military suddenly left that area, there would be nothing sustainable remaining. And yet I knew nothing. All I knew about the military is my dad was in it because they made him and their clothes last a really long time. And they're green. I knew that. They're green. And so my mind was just suddenly opened to learning about the military. And then I suddenly began to care about the history that I had ignored in school and about these battles and about why they were fought. And, and all of these, these men who have gone before us that served and holy cannolis, the the guts they had to have to get off of that boat there and do that, it just opened my eyes. This is the same way I believe it is when God's Word educates us. We can have all of these other things. We can have math and we can have all of these other parts of our lives, but if we're not educated in the Word, Something important is missing. And not even military knowledge. This is eternity. Think about what's missing in the life of a human, a, a person, 
if they are educated in the things of God. What happens is, because God's Word is foundational and we were created for this, if it's not there, it has to be, is typically replaced with something in our education. And so if, if, we, if we did not learn that God created the heavens and the earth, well then, the heavens and the earth are here, so let's make up something. It either exploded and pfft, there it was, or there was an accidental amoeba somewhere that just kept replicating and suddenly crawled out of the water and you know, and all of that, and then suddenly it's wearing a suit and it's sitting in my desk. I mean, you know, God's Word educates us. It is the true education that we need. And then beyond that, God's Word convicts us. Convicts us. Anybody in here ever been just blasted by the Word that suddenly just God just mic drops and convicts us with the Word? Yes. That is the word reproof. Reproof. It's when we veer off the path and we know it, we feel bad for it. You know, this is a good thing. You know that God desires our good more than we do. You know, and so He convicts us, but hand-in-hand with convicts us is that God's Word corrects us. So when we are convicted, we realize we're on the right path, but the correcting us is bringing us back to the right path. Both are important. It's a lot harder to get somebody to go on the right road if they still think they're on it going the wrong way. And so God's Word convicts us and shows us we're wrong, we're off the path, and then because God is so good, brings us back and corrects us. And so we see for rebuking, correcting, and then God's Word instructs us. It trains us. It trains us in righteousness, the Scripture says. The desire of the Word is is to conform us into the image of Christ. So whatever we need in our lives to make us look like and be like Jesus, that's what the Word is instructing us to do. You know, it prepares us. And so we have all of these things in life that we want to be prepared for. We want to be instructed in, and you know, for how to deal with financial issues that you think, hmm, is that in the Bible? Or parenting teenagers. We were talking about today that Mary, most likely a teenager. Or how do you deal with handling grief or divorce recovery and and all of these things, but and I hear the questions from the world, well, why isn't that in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you what. I know this, in all of these things, 
as we read the Bible, that we see that that God will walk with us through any of these things, through financial trouble, rearing teenagers. What happens after a divorce or handling grief? God's Word also equips us. It equips us. Even in all of these things that you don't see, in the Bible. There are foundational things that are far more important than those that prepare us for those by making us be like Jesus. And so I bet you that Jesus would do a better job of raising teenagers than I would. And so, if God's Word is instructing me to be like Jesus, it's also going to make me better at rearing teenagers or handling grief or any of these other things. So God's Word is sanctifying us. It is making us holy. It is making us like Jesus. And so, I go back to this. It's important that we spend time in it. It's important that we read it, that we digest it. It's important that this happens not just from this sacred music stand. And so... It's supreme among us. His Word is sanctifying in us. And then next is God's Word is sufficient for us. God's Word is sufficient for us. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. People in in Exodus 16 did not trust God. When He put out, I'm going to feed you. Every day, go out and, and collect the bread. Go collect what you need for the day. And He told them up front, don't pick tomorrow's bread up. Trust me for that. I will provide it. And they didn't trust Him. And they found that when they picked it up ahead of time, it got maggots in it. It got disgusting. Drops way to the bottom. That's below blood sausage. If it's alive, I am not biting it. But God's Word is sufficient for us to cause us to trust God, to see that His Word is good, that His Word is trustworthy. And so, let's trust in God's Word. Let's trust in God's Word. What does that mean? Here's what I fear. I fear that when we have this, I say conversation, but you're not talking that much, right? So, So, as we have this monologue, and we have this understanding, I believe that we would agree, let's trust God's Word. We trust God's Word. We believe it. We do what it says. But but what does that mean when it gets into our lives outside of this? If I trust God's Word, what does that mean with the way I handle my neighbors, the way I handle politics, 
the way I do my job, I raise my kids, I, I deal with financial stuff, how I give my money, how I make money, and all of these things filter through the Holy Spirit in us as He is growing us through His Word. And so let's truly trust in God's Word because, and finally, God's Word is satisfying to us. And here's the truth. We were designed for the Word of God to satisfy us. And so if we, if we get right down to the guts of it in your life, sitting in your chair wearing your clothes right now, if you say, you know, really, that's a good thing to say, but I don't feel like His Word is very satisfying to me. Something is wrong in you. Something is wrong in me if God's Word is not satisfying to me because I was designed by this Creator for His Word to satisfy me. And so perhaps we've been led astray. Perhaps we have, been, we have rewritten some rules of what it means to be satisfied. As I'm reading through the, through the Bible sometimes, some years, I will hit a particularly dry spot. And again, that dry spot is usually in my heart at the time. And I'll think about, man, I'm, I'm doing this, I am reading this, and I'm learning, and I'm understanding, and this is good, but I feel like I'm doing it like, like a person would... You ever had enough to eat, but yet it was still time to eat? I went on a mission trip to China with a small group, and you know I've told you some about this trip, but one of the things that was not really spiritual at all was the eating part. And Chinese food, real Chinese food, is really good. They eat, they eat well. It is good food. It is nothing like. I was told that it was. And it is certainly nothing like Chinese restaurants here. Anyway, so we go to this place and we're teaching. And I'm training, I'm teaching pastors and church leaders. And, and then I, the rest of my team, three of them, they are teaching. One of them is teaching, it's an older lady and she is teaching older ladies. And this young People are teaching financial stuff and, and marriage communication and stuff like this. And so we're all done, and then we go eat. And we eat until 2 o'clock p.m., right? This is lunch. So we eat from 12 to 2, and we're eating. I mean, we're eating like little fat kids. I mean, we are cranking it. And, and it's always more. And in the middle of the table, their tables are built. They're usually round, and they have this lazy Susan in the middle of it. And so it's like a merry-go-around of buffet, and it keeps coming. And sometimes what came around the first time has been replaced, so there's more the next time it comes around. I was like, what? This is awesome. But it's like 2 o'clock, and I feel like I can't eat another thing. And then we're just getting to where the family is saying, well, before you go, you have to taste this. Well, you can't leave without tasting this. And so, I mean, I'm like, on this good food, 
And then at 4 o'clock, you know what we're doing? We're meeting for supper. 4 o'clock, two hours. So we're really, we're sitting down to eat, and we're, we are so stuffed. I mean, this is like the flex sealed trash bags, right? It's already overstuffed, and you're cramming stuff down in the corner just to make it all fit. Then you get up, and you travel by sitting on your backside in this bullet train to go right down the road, and you're going to eat again. And they're going to expect you to eat just like this. When I'm going through the Word, that's how I feel sometimes. When I feel like I should be like Jesus 40 days, and I just can't get enough. I can't get enough. Again, like the fat kid when the pinata breaks. Like, I'm going in, I'm going to get all I can, I cannot get enough. But God's Word is satisfying to us. You know, this is the, the stuff we, we need and so let's feast on God's Word. Let's feast on God's Word. And so as we move forward, as we wind down this year, and we start a new year, as we move forward, we must answer the question, are we going to trust His Word? As a, as a faith family, are we going to trust His Word? Is this Word more important than our money? Is this Word more important to us than this world? And so we pray that God will develop in us this desire, more of a desire for Him and more for His Word, a deeper desire. And that at the end of next year, there will be more people not only reading through it, but digesting as we go through I think that we we shouldn't be surprised if we don't have a hunger for God's word when we are filling our minds and filling our hearts all day with with the stuff with fluffy stuff you know with the cotton candy of life TV video games football you know, all of those things. And if it's just full of all of that stuff, then our stomachs are full with the world. And there's no surprise then that we have no desire for the Word because we filled our stuff up with, with fluff, with packaging peanuts. And so we're just, we're like engorged. So where is this going to fit? I think we have to purge some of the garbage and change some of our diets to make room for the Word. And if I hadn't eaten so many Little Debbie Christmas trees, there would be more room for me to eat the vegetable soup and the good stuff, the stuff that's actually going to help me grow and, and have you know strength to do what God has created me to do. And so... This text, I believe, and this sermon is designed for us to, to wrap up really why we went through the text. We didn't, go, we didn't read through the Bible and didn't preach through the Bible just so we can say we did. But it is to help us to get the point 
of how important this is to us. Not just how important it is for us to get their history, but so we can get that this is His story imprinted on our DNA so that we can bring Him glory by how we live as we look like Jesus. And so I want to pray. And the band will come and... I just want to lay this at the feet of Jesus. If He is leading you to move, if He's leading you to to act, to commit, to be saved, oh my goodness, I'll be here at the front and would love to just celebrate with you in that. Plan your baptism and, and anything that I can do. But my prayer is, is that God would move in the hearts of His people and, and begin to develop in us a different culture where His Word is, is something that we can't get enough of, that we thirst for it, we hunger for it, and He causes us to grow as we get it. Amen? Let's stand for prayer. God, we love Your Word. Lord, we want to love it more. And we know that it's because of us, not because of You. So Lord, I pray that You would just, I guess, re imprint your hand on our DNA or whatever it means for us to be to the point where we we love your word and we can't get enough of it. So Lord, I pray that in these moments that you, you work in our heart. Encourage us. Help us to see what needs to go to make room for what needs to come in. I just pray that it's a part of your Holy Spirit working on us day by day and step by step. And that we can't be rescued until we stop running the wrong way. And so Lord, draw us back. Give us encouragement to follow after you. Help us, Lord, to redefine what it means to be biblical, what it means to be a believer. And help us to stop writing our own definitions so we feel better about us. Lord, I pray that you would be happy with this church because of what you have done in us. Continue to grow us, Lord, and help us to see where you want us to go, what you want us to do, and Lord, even if the world falls down around us, that we'll not be shaken because we are founded on Your Word. And so Lord, in this, even if we stand alone, help us to stand on Your Word and nothing else. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.